Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Nanny Mintz. Today, we are recapping a not-so-great game for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Baylor Bears. Look, it started out fantastic, but, uh, you know, Kansas, as they are want to do, or as they are prone to do in this season, they faded pretty quickly in that first half there, um, gave it all back, and then it did not go well in the second half. To help me recap what's going on there, uh, joining me again is David Potter, one of our, or I'm sorry, our, my, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. David, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, I've, I've got to, I've got to accept some responsibility, I think, for what happened in the, uh, the Baylor game because I, I had been out and I got home just in time to turn it on when I think KU had built up, what was it, a 13, 14 point lead in the first half? Yeah, it was. Um, a, oh, man. I don't and even, then, then yeah. as soon as I turned on the TV and watched it, that that's when everything fell apart. Okay, so, so that's so the, the, the problem on me. Yeah. Okay, so so is it one of those things you have to be watching at the beginning, and they'll be fine, or I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's one of those weird things. Like my wife does that to me all the time. She's always like, "Yeah, you know, they're playing a lot better. You need to leave the room uh, because." You know, or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're 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 playing a lot worse. You need to leave the room because they're playing fine when you were gone, or vice versa. Um, it's one of those weird, stupid things. But it's like if they're playing good, I want to watch. <laughs> so, but no. Um, obviously, I don't think any, anyone actually believes that that's the case. It would be really freaky if it was. It means David, you, sorry, you can't watch the KU game the rest of the year. But no, this this team. Um, you know, they got off to a hot start, and 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 I guess let's break this into two phases, like. From that hot start, was there anything that happened in that initial, I guess it was like 10 minutes or so, where Kansas just couldn't seem to do any wrong that that you think carries over? Or was it all undone by the rest of the night? Um, I mean, it. I, I don't read too much into it long term because this offense, you know, overall, I, you know, we're ranked fourth offensively in Ken Palm. It's a good offense, but they do. They're hot and cold offensive team um you know we've we've just seen a lot of long scoring droughts or um you know periods of time where they have some difficulty scoring and of of course offset by uh by when they catch fire and they do what they did early on against Baylor um so no I I don't think that uh that was a telltale sign of anything to come I think it was just um you know, KU, when they get on an offensive role, like it, it's going to end eventually. And then it seems like they go too far in, in the other direction for whatever reason. 
Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, we've, we've talked about it before. This is a team that has a lot of issues with momentum, right? Where like, if they, if things are going great, they go great. But the minute it turns, it turns poor, like really bad. Uh, it takes in a, a complete 180 and it takes something big for them to kind of get out of that issue. And so, you know, I, I do think that we are kind of in a similar sort of situation here where, you know, we're worried about, or I'm sorry, basically, like Kansas really changed their lineups. And and that seemed to me to be what the the switch was. Like you, you, you had Remy Martin come in, you ended up seeing Remy Martin and Joseph Yesterfu at the same time. Like Bill Self was doing the thing that we all asked him to do throughout the year, right? Which is experiment with the lineups, figure out what actually works. And he was doing it against a really, really good team. Unfortunately, yeah. it just didn't work out for them, but it definitely killed the momentum that they had. I was trying to actually pull up the play-by-play so I could see if I could identify exactly when all of a sudden Kansas, you know, stopped playing really well. I mean, they were up, you know, they were up 14 to, f- I'm sorry, 16 to four. So, so yeah, they were up by 12 points at that point. Um, and then it, and then it started to turn. Actually, no, Remy Martin made a three pointer to make it 21 to nine. And then from there, gosh, no, it actually keeps getting better. Oh my gosh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you would think I would do this before we jump on the podcast, right? Like actually go through and figure out when all this is. No, this was yeah, prep, one of those work is overrated. Well, this is also one of those games. I didn't really want to go back and like huh, go through every single possible thing that was there. And that was a, random ad that just showed up i apologize for that man great audio here guys um but no i mean so so this is one of those things unfortunately where like they were going really well you had remy in there i do actually do see yesifu in here before the 10 minute mark um and things hadn't quite flipped yet but they really kind of started at that point right kansas was up 26 13 with six and a half minutes or with just under seven minutes to go and then all of a sudden, Baylor really turned it on. Akinjo made free throws. Flagler made a jumper. Um, you know, Jeremy Sohan made a dunk. Like, they all of a sudden got rolling, and Kansas couldn't do enough to keep them from coming almost all the way back. And, and really, it's just guys stopped making shots. And so it's hard It's hard to take anything, any big grand pronouncements out of that, right? Like, this team is super streaky. They either make a bunch of shots all at once or they miss a bunch of shots all at once. Um, I don't know how you plan for that, though. Like, how, how do you plan around that? What do you have to do other than just say, guys, when they're in, like, take as many shots as you possibly can? Yeah, I think uh, self, and, and I think he does this, but, you know, he should he should really have it in uh, in all of our, our main scorers' heads that, like, if you have an open shot, like, early in the shot clock, late, you know, whatever. If you're open for a shot, take it. And, or if you see a lane to the basket, you know, take it. Just just keep being aggressive. Because, um, I mean, they, we had that possession where Yesifu held the ball and we ended up getting a, a shot clock violation, um, which, which surprised me because, you know, Yesifu really – I think the reason that Bill Self went out and got him is just how aggressive and efficient of a scorer he was the second half of last season at Drake. Um, so to to see some timidity from him was uh, was a little unusual. But um, yeah, I mean, all it, all I can think of is you know just keep being positive and find Bill Self and just telling him, hey, you know, look, if you're open, take the shot. You guys are 
are good enough shooters, good enough scorers. Uh, you know, don't don't worry about it. Just just go for it. Because um, it just seems like sometimes they miss a few shots and then, um, you know, they, they start to tense up a little bit. The the offense doesn't look like it, it's running the way it's supposed to. And and you end up, uh, you know, with those periods of time like what we saw Saturday where um, you, you get that combination of KU isn't scoring and their defense isn't stopping the other team. And, you know, all of a sudden a 14, 15 point lead just evaporates. Yeah. This also seemed to me to be one of those games where Bill Self kind of to my point earlier, like played a whole bunch of people like, right. We're used to him only going six or seven deep. And, and it was weird too, because, you know, he played the five starters and then Remy Martin had 11 minutes off the bench and then a whole bunch of other guys had, you know, three or four minutes each. Um, and none of them were really impactful except for potentially KJ Adams when he came in, but he was in because of foul trouble, right? Between yeah. Mitch Lightfoot and David McCormick, he had to come in at the end of the half, um, got four points, you know, only played three minutes. Like he played fairly well. I think the problem was those seemed to be a lot more unbroken plays as opposed to KJ Adams actually doing something really well against Baylor. Um, it's not like it was a great matchup for him. It was, it was kind of a, this is what we had to do. And Hey, it happened to work out. Um, I don't really know what the answer is though. Like Mitch Lightfoot only had four point, I'm sorry, four minutes and he had four fouls. So like he wasn't able to spell David McCormick. Um, and, and, and I, I mean, I think my main takeaway from here so far is that this is a team that needs to have a six and a seven because these starters cannot be out there the entire game and play at the high level that they need to because they just tire out. With how fast this team goes, with how all out they play on offense especially, they wear out towards the end of a half, and that's where teams start to make big runs. Yeah. You know, if we can get Remy Martin back to fully healthy, then I think if we if if Yesifu can just find a groove, like it looked like he might be, you know, after the I think it was the Iowa State game where he kinda that was the first game this year where he really went off. If he can get in a groove and also earn Self's trust, because it's pretty clear that he's got, you know, Self's willing to start playing him a little more than he was earlier on this season, but he's got a pretty short leash when he makes a mistake, like when he held that ball and got the shot clock violation, he was pulled pretty quickly. Um, but if he can, if he can find a groove and then, um, you know, I, I, whether it's I mean, Mitch is who he is. He's been at Kansas for what, like, nine years now um we uh I, I mean we know who Mitch Lightfoot is and and four fouls in four minutes is not uncommon for him he can do some nice things but you're not going to be able to rely on him as like the big who comes in off the bench um so I don't know Zach Zach Clements has really flashed some really nice skill on offense but he's not um not much of a defender yet he's going to need to to add some weight and, and some experience to get there um, so yeah, I, I think that's part of the problem is when David McCormick, you know, if, if he, if he's getting worn down, um, you know, we know he's playing on a sore foot, uh, if he gets into foul trouble, we don't have anyone we can go to on the bench and, and know and feel comfortable that they're gonna, that they're gonna do an adequate job of filling that role. You know, Mitch can, KJ Adams has shown some flashes Zach Clements, um, can, has made some shots, but we don't really have anyone, who, you know, you can point to and say, okay, you know, if, if McCormick needs to sit and we need a big guy to play 12, 14 minutes tonight, you know, 
no problem. It, it's always kind of a crapshoot as to what you're going to get from those guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think we'll we'll kind of get the rest of the bad news out of the way from this game. But it, it, it was pretty clear that this Kansas team and Bill Self was not prepared for Mitch Lightfoot and his, you know, coming in to spell David McCormick, picking up two quick fouls and not really being able to play the rest of the first half. Um, yeah. Part of that maybe potentially was, you know, Bill Self doing what he usually does. And once you get two two fouls, you sit because he doesn't want to risk the opportunity of losing you. But in Mitch Lightfoot's case in this game, um, you know, argue or complain about the refs all you want. Yes, it was a poorly officiated game. It was a poorly officiated game both ways, though. So it's not like it was yeah. just towards the Jayhawks. I think the Jayhawks probably got more of the bad calls against them, but not enough where I'm like going to say, oh my gosh, the Jayhawks should have won. The refs screwed him over. Like, no, the refs were just bad. Like, <laughs> it was quick, quick aside. If you watched the Texas Tech TCU game prior, that I think is the absolutely worst officiated game I have ever seen. And I've seen some really bad ones. And it seemed like that was carrying over to this game with, with Kansas and Baylor for whatever reason. Um, you know, but there was definitely some questionable calls. Mitch two at least two of his fouls I saw was like, wait, you called that a foul. Um, but you know, to be fair, they were calling some really weird stuff all night long. It just seemed like Kansas was unfortunately like it wasn't like they were calling something a foul one time and then not calling it the next time. There was a difference from the first half to the second half, um, but that kind of usually happens once you get a little bit of a break. Within a half, it was fairly consistent. It just took some time for Kansas to adjust to it. But they were clearly not ready for Mitch Lightfoot to not be able to give them any minutes and for David McCormick to really kind of have to go 30 minutes in this one. He picked up three fouls as well. Like Clements was not ready to come off the bench, I don't think, in what they did. He threw some, or he being Bill Self, threw out some really weird lineups. You know, we did. Yeah. Right. The one you have, Yesifu, Remy Martin. I think you had Jalen Coleman Lands, Zach Clements, and I believe it was Jalen Wilson out there. I don't remember actually who the fifth one was, but like it was the absolute strangest lineup that I have ever seen him ever put out. Um, you know, and, and he didn't really have a choice because guys had foul trouble. Guys just weren't playing well. Like it was. It was a bad night if you're a Jayhawk fan for any kind of strategy in the in in that Big 12 play because Kansas just couldn't really get anyone going. Speaking of players that couldn't get going, I, I don't really want to talk about Dewan Harris because I don't think he actually played any worse than he typically does. Like his defense was okay. He had seven assists, which is really what you have him out there for. Um, but Jalen Wilson, I, I think, had probably a, as bad of a game as we've seen him have in a really long time. Um, yes, he had some really stink, some really absolute stinkers in the non-conference but I mean I think this is probably the worst game that I've seen him play in conference play yeah I'm looking at his numbers now um looks like he was yeah two for ten from the field missed all five of his threes and that that was that was an area of his game I mean overall he's been playing a lot better lately but the three-point shooting was something that it really you know I think he had raised his season three-point percentage by you know like 12 15 points in, in just the last couple of weeks since he really started to come on so I don't know you know it could be could be just one bad game uh hopefully it's not regression because of uh, how much positive momentum we've seen from him lately is really looking more like the player that we uh we we thought he'd be coming out of high school um so but uh you know we you you're playing Baylor on the road. Baylor's a very athletic team. Um, 
you know, it could easily have just been an off night for him. But unfortunately, it was a night where they couldn't really afford for him to have an off night. Yeah, I mean, and he was up, I I believe, yeah, he was 20 to 69 coming into the night. Um, He was up at almost basically at 30%, and it dropped, you know, from there on the season by by almost 3%. Percentage points, which is not great, but you know, an, an 0 for five night. He's going to have some of those occasionally. Um, he just hadn't had any of them that were nearly as bad. But it, I don't know. He seemed to be almost timid in this game, which I don't know if that's really the right word to describe it. I mean, he did end up with seven points, but it just seemed like he was not driving the way he normally does, um, which usually gives him a little bit more space. And part of that might just be with Baylor. Baylor's really good about guarding the perimeter. They're not quite so good about guarding the inside which might have kind of messed with the way that Jalen likes to play. But, you know, this was this was definitely not a Jalen Wilson game. This was a game I was expecting more from him, um, and we just unfortunately didn't get it. So, um, however, there was some good news, um, you know, coming out of this game, and I do want to get to that. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back. All right. We are recapping this Baylor game. And let me tell you, it was not a great game. Uh, you know, Kansas losing 80 to 70. But there were a few players I thought that stood out, played fairly well. Um, David O'Cormick was kind of so-so for me, so I'm not going to like give him the, oh, he was really good. I think part of that was foul trouble. Um, you know, he did have 13 total rebounds, which is really what you want from him. He he had a double-double getting 10 points, but I I don't think it was anything really too special. Um, but Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown continue to play the way that you expect them to play, the way that, you know, like the, the two best players on your team really should play. Christian, much more so on the defensive end, he played really well there. He had a double double as well, getting ten rebounds and seventeen points. Um, but but Ochai, man, Ochai was absolutely all over the place in this game. Um, yes, he only he was only four of fourteen for three, and I think that's ultimately what hurt Kansas so bad is it took him that many attempts for actually for him to actually get his points. But he had twenty seven points. Um, like, am, am I overstating just how well Ochai played in this one, or or did you see the same thing? No, I think uh, like you said, him and Brown were were the highlights of the game um yeah Ochai I mean he's you know, he he's a wooden finalist he's a candidate to be possibly even a first team all-american I, I think he played every bit of that and four for 14 from three yeah you you know you don't want you don't want him doing that every night um but you know, I like the aggressiveness. It's it's going to be hard for for KU to beat a team like Baylor if Ochai is not scoring. So I have no problem with him uh, putting up fourteen threes. And you know, sometimes you do that, you hit seven. Sometimes you hit two. He only got four, so it wasn't the most efficient night. But 
Um, I, I, you know, they obviously really needed him to step up and I, I don't know what much, much more that he could have done other than, you know, a couple of extra threes going in to, to contribute to the cause. He, he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those things where, you know, I, I think he actually made a decent number of them early, but normally it's a case where, you know, if a guy has an O for five, nine, he doesn't necessarily shoot as many of them. And you want a guy like Coach Ibaji to continue to keep shooting because it's not likely that he's going to, you know, miss nine straight or something like that. Like he, he keeps jacking them up. He is a good enough shooter that he is going to start hitting them. So the fact that he was able to do that, you know, the fact that he was able to, to keep playing and end up with 27 points and just, you know, continue to play the way that he was, I thought was encouraging. And, and really, I think that's also kind of part of it too is that you're going to go through these sorts of slumps. You would hope that they don't come against a high quality opponent like this and, or that somebody else could kind of step up when you, when you have that issue. But like, I, I don't think this is not a Kansas team that would normally shoot 25% from three. Like that is an anomaly for them. Um, you also think about just how poorly they actually played here um, offensively overall for a lo- large stretch of this game. They still scored 1.01 points per possession, which is still a good offensive game. It's not like the fantastic offensive game we're used to seeing from them all the time, but it's still Especially good enough. against Baylor. Right. Um, who, who, who does who gives, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but definitely averages uh, less than one point per possession um, in, in big 12 play. So yeah, that you, you can find things to, to nitpick or be, you know, a little concerned about offensively, but really uh I, I don't. I don't think offense and scoring was was the biggest issue. Uh, I, I think it was um, part of it was just Baylor was making shots, but we also at times weren't making it as hard on them as as you'd like. Um, actually, Baylor's an excellent offensive rebounding team. We actually held them to twenty nine percent on the offensive board, so that that's really not where where they killed us. Um, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad game. It's just things worked out between the the struggles from behind the three point line, um, and uh, and Baylor. You know, just I think I think they missed one shot over the last five minutes of the game. Um, some of that, some some of that's just one of those stuff happens uh, yeah. kind of games, and that there wasn't a whole lot that. Uh, that they really could have done about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you really want to look at what the culprit for this game was, um, because, like you said, like Baylor was held to twenty one percent from three, so they weren't shooting lights out from three. I mean, yes, they had nine offensive rebounds, but Kansas had sixteen. Like Kansas had a much better offensive rebound percentage. Really, the issue here was just the fact that Kansas couldn't make anything from two. Um, I mean, for the entire game, they were they were they had forty percent from twos, which is just absolutely killed them. Um, but you know, it is one of those things you talk about how poor of an offensive, like this seemed like a really bad offensive showing for them, right. Compared to what we're used to seeing. And it was still a pretty good one. Like you look at it, like if that's a bad offensive showing, then that means that this team is going to be super dangerous. So, you know, the other, you know, and, and, and of course the other thing is that there is silver lining here has absolutely nothing to do with the Baylor game. Cause we'll, we'll talk about takeaways here in just a second for what this means for the rest. But look, no matter how bad you felt about this game, you can feel great about the announcement that is coming out this morning. It's actually already kind of leaked out on Twitter a little bit, but it's absolutely phenomenal. I am so happy to announce that sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is getting Kansas gear. Yes, 
You have seen it, I'm sure, by this point. Uh, if you haven't seen it from Vernon or you, you've probably seen it from a bunch of other places, Home Field Apparel, the most co- comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, whole bunch of stuff. Kansas gear is coming. Week 7, Big New Saturday, Season 3. This Saturday, March 5th, you will have home field gear dropping for your enjoyment, for you to go order and spend way too much money getting all the absolutely fantastic gear. I've actually seen it. They've got some great things on on there. I can guarantee that you are going to have to try to figure out which stuff to take out of your cart because you're going to want all of it. So I love it. Uh, I'm probably going to spend way too much money getting all this stuff, but you can save some extra money by going to homefieldapparel.com using promo code chalk12 you can get 15% off your entire first order all orders over $100 and you know honestly if you're going to get Kansas gear this week it is going to be over $100 you'll get free shipping there as well so again promo code chalk12 gets you 15% off your entire first order over at homefield apparel go crazy get Kansas on the leaderboard there for all of you know for their big new Saturday contest that they have go wild it's going to be absolutely fantastic all right David now that we've got the good news to kind of get everybody in a good mood, you know, looking forward, like this game, the way that this game actually happened, right? I don't think this really changes anything for Kansas going into the last week of the regular season, the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. Does it like we already knew about the issues that they had? Sometimes they go cold. Sometimes the defense kind of gives up more than they did. But like, I didn't see any new problems. Did you? Uh, No, Um, you know, it was just uh a bit of an off night shooting from three um, and they just uh, they didn't play their best game in a road environment against a, a top 10 team. I mean, it, it's hard to really, you know, you, you got to remember it's frustrating. I, and if this was one where Baylor kind of jumped out to, to a lead of five or six and just kind of held us at arm's length and it ended up a 10 point loss, I think we would have just, said collectively as a fan base just well on the road against Baylor it was a tough team we weren't we were the underdogs no big deal I I think the frustration just comes in from building that big first half lead and watching it all evaporate so quickly Um, but I don't think you know we've we've seen them give away leads usually it's at the end of the game not not just the end of the first half but we've seen them give some leads away before uh, we know that this team is prone to some cold stretches offensively. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it, it told us anything new that's that, that changes, uh, you know, our, our trajectory from here on, you know, we're, we're most likely going to, uh, to win at least a share of the big 12 title. Um, we're pretty much a consensus one seed right now. So unless we, you know, were to, to drop, two of our last three or something like that. I think we're very much in the running and if if not a favorite for a one seed. So it it was frustrating, but ultimately I I don't feel like that changed anything. Yeah. I mean, and kind of to the point, like Kansas is still pretty or has an inside track on getting that one seed um, mainly because every other, you know, top team in the entire country lost on the same day. Like top one through six, all on the AP poll, all lost. Duke isn't cl- near, anywhere near close enough. You know, like they, they were number seven. They're nowhere near close enough to jump up and take in one seed from Kansas. Like Kansas and Baylor are both going to be in the running for a one seed potentially. Um, but all you have to do to win at least a share of the title is go beat TCU twice next week. You got to beat them, you know, on the road on Tuesday and then at home on Thursday and you've clinched at least a share of the title. 
Texas, the way that they played against West Virginia, you know, Kansas being able to play that game against Texas at the end of the year, I'm not that worried about that particular game. So like, you know, like it's going to be at home. It's going to be senior night. Like this is one of those things where this team is set up to win the big 12 and potentially win it outright. Um, you know, I don't think Baylor is immune to a loss here the rest of the way as well. And then you go into the big 12 tournament, set yourself up for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. Like nothing has really changed from what this team is looking for from how far you think this team can actually go. It's just a reminder that, Hey, you know, no matter how great things are looking, they have to keep their foot on the gas. Like that's just something that they have to do. We're so used to this team having problems at the beginning of a game and then getting going and then blowing past the team to go ahead and get a big win. But this time it, it was a little weird to see it. Like they got it going really early. And then all of a sudden it's, it, you know, screeched to a halt. Um, that's going to happen sometimes. Hopefully it doesn't happen in a tournament game, but unfortunately us Kansas fans have been there often enough that we know that that will happen at times. And it's, it sucks, but it's also kind of just the nature of a one and done tournament where you have to win six games in a row and hope that you never have an off night because it very well may be the end of your season. So, um, yeah, it doesn't really change anything. And, and let me tell you, I actually went into the weekend knowing that the home field news was coming. I went into the weekend thinking, well, you know, Kansas isn't favored against Baylor. So there's a decent shot that they're going to lose this game in Waco. Even if they lose, we've got some good news coming out of the weekend. So, uh, I'm absolutely ecstatic about that. But David, any other final thoughts to leave us with before we get out of here for the day? Um, no, but I think we're just in a, in a spot where take business, take care of business against TCU. I know it's two back-to-back games. Um, yeah, which I don't love, but it's, it's all right. But, but yeah, I mean, take care of business against TCU. And I think everything, everything that was on the table that we were looking forward to before the Baylor loss is, is still right there. Yep, for sure. All right, well, that is going to do it for us today. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voicemail by going to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. And I promise that we'll get your voice on the show. We are also part of the 1012 network where you can catch podcasts covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Again, best way to know what's happening to the Jayhawks from the rest of the conference is knowing what's happening with the rest of the conference. So go over on Twitter at 1012 network. You can get links to all the great shows that we have there on the network. But, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you guys go visit the sponsor, Homefield Apparel, promo code SHOCK12. I, I'm not going to be upset if you wait until Saturday to do it, knowing what's coming. So just go over there, enjoy it, take a look at what else you might want to get. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.